Okay, wait, before we start, does everybody have alcohol? Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy Bolsby and Melissa Kirscher. Welcome to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa and my co-host is... Wendy! Hooray! And we are here tonight with the ever-lovable Kelvin Hatley. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everyone. I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah, su- I'm super lovable. lovable. I, yeah. I'm pretty lovable for somebody who just sort of stands awkwardly around. <laughs> Stare, yeah. Stares off into space and makes weird pronouncements. I find that most people find you to be rather adorable. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. I, I think the word I was actually searching for was something like erudite or, or something like that. Yeah. But, you know, and lovable came to mind. Like, like yeah, yeah. Okay. Kelvin is lovable. Well, you are. Are also erudite. It very I erudite. I would like to think so. You also go deep into the geek categories. I yes. can. Yeah. Yeah. Kelvin is what we call an uber geek. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No. Oh, you need to own that shit. Okay. Okay. An yeah. ur geek or whatever. Ooh, an ur geek. Ur geek. Which makes me think about. I. <laughs> I remember in middle school when we were learning history, you know, and the origins of civilization, and we learned about Mesopotamia and the city-state of Ur. <laughs> I had so much fun for, like, a week just talking about Ur. Yeah. And me and all my really smart-ass, gifted friends just be making all kinds of Ur jokes. Yeah. <laughs> Ur. Ur. It's like, what's the name of the city you're from? And then they realize they've never actually gotten around to naming it, and they're like, Ur. Ur, okay. All right. So this this fine evening we are mm. we are drinking a Penascal estate. <laughs> I'm very bad at Penascal. Penascal. estate. Penascal. I don't think that's how it's pronounced. <laughs> it could be pronounced penascal. Well, yeah. sure. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a tempranillo 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 tempranillo. It's 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 red and it's lovely and it's, and it's from Spanish. Spain. Yeah, it's Spanish and uh, the world. Comes <laughs> on, so. the, the terrible thing about this is I actually lived in Spain and I cannot pronounce this fucking bottle of wine. <laughs> But it sure is tasty. Get out I, your castanets, people. And you were there. <laughs> As a testament to how much we really uh, value quality control on this podcast, <laughs> we waited till Kelvin got here and then, what the hell are we going to talk about? Yeah, yeah. So we decided for this first episode that we were going to talk about problematic movies. Now, Melissa, yeah. you came up with this, so you explain. Well, problematic media is what I call it, and it's um, it's it's specifically an enjoyment of things that, like, a movie is, like, 90% awesome, and then there's that one 
thing that's really, really offensive about it. That, okay, I really love this movie, but you have to be okay with the part where he rapes her. Yeah. Or Those sorts of things come out of your mouth. Or the, this is a really amazing movie from Roman Polanski. That, that sort of thing. Yeah. And or, so, and, and, you know, different people approach these things different ways because, you know, there are some people who cannot watch a Roman Polanski movie just because of his history. Whereas there are other people who can separate the you know, life from the art. And, is in, and, and that whole problem of enjoying something that's got a problem, are you being an apologist? Are, mm-hmm. you, yeah. are you somehow furthering that even further into the culture that we haven't just blacklisted it completely? Mm-hmm. I mean, we're not really talking about things like well, and then there's the opposite side of sometimes you need to look and see how things were to understand how deep a problem it was. Oh, absolutely. I, I think we can launch directly off the bat here with, say, Breakfast at Tiffany's. An because, excellent choice. Because mm-hmm. it's a really great example of this. Breakfast at Tiffany's, a fantastic movie yeah. uh, with Audrey Hepburn. I can't remember who the guy was. Um, um, the George. Ad- George. It was George... Um, Papart? No, it was, no, it was yeah, a George... Was it George? It was George... It, somebody George, looked this uh, up. Uh, but, Siegel. No. I love editing. No, it was George Pappard. It was the A-team guy. It was the A-team guy. Okay. It was. I get George Pappard and George Siegel mixed up, which is really odd. Well, they're both named George. So anyway, uh, with George Pappard and Audrey Hepburn and Mickey Rooney in Yellowface. Oh, and I mean, not just in Yellowface, but in the most stereotypical. Thick Thick lens glasses, buck teeth. Offensive uh, yeah. and deeply offensive. What's really interesting to me, though, is with Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, there was such an effort to um, sanitize it from the book because it's the, a it's a sad book. It is a sad book, and it's it's about two prostitutes essentially. Yeah. But you know, the movie scrubbed that a little bit, so you know, Holly Golightly isn't obviously a prostitute you kind of have to read between the lines to get that you kind of she just kind of comes off as like this woman who dates rich guys yeah there's and a, gets all her income from them yeah and there's <laughs> a uh an abortion in the book that's not really talked about in the movie and it and george Pippard is a is is pretty clearly a gigolo in the yeah, movie yeah and that one that part's at least pretty Obvious, yeah, that's, which I think is that, it's startlingly obvious for yeah. the time. And yet, there's Mickey Rooney in Yellowface. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, it's one of those you know you hear the needle being dragged across the record moments. You know, like what? Yes. Wait, where did this come from? Well, and if you, and I feel like that sort of thing grew out of the Ming the Merciless, mm. um, Fu Manchu. The yellow horde. Is there any? I, I, I've never read the from novel. the thirties and forties. Yeah, I've never read the novel. Is is the landlord character Asian in the novel? I believe he is. Okay, it's been so long since I've. Read. It is. You know, I, I I guess my rationalization isn't the right word, but my explanation I came up with is that it Blake Edwards directed it, and Blake Edwards uh, when he does comedy, you know, is kind of broad. I love Errol Flynn. He's one of my absolute favorite. And Olivia de Havilland is in it, too. Oh. Yeah. I haven't seen this movie, but please talk they about it. They Died With Their Boots On is the film where Errol Flynn plays George Custer. <sighs> and he Already, yeah. And it's this glorification of Custer from start to finish. It's a biopic that starts with him 
in um, at the uh, at West Point, and he meets the girl Olivia to have and then fall in love, and and just all these things, and he is presented as being just flat out better than he was from what we know from history. <laughs> and of course, you know, you know that everything's leading to the final battle, right? Custer's last stand. This is what it was made when it still would have been called Custer's last stand, mm-hmm. not the battle at little, the massacre at little Bighorn. Yeah. And then it was the battle at little Bighorn, And now it's just flat out the massacre at little, at little Bighorn. And he's presented as, if I'm remembering correctly, that like he's trying to tell his superiors, no, you're doing it wrong, this isn't going to go well, and blah, blah, blah. And then he goes out and, yeah, it's, oh, but it's good. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's got Errol Flynn and Olivia de Havilland and they're charming together. And the character that they've made up to be George Custer is very likable and you're just watching it going yeah that's not really what's going on (laughs) oh kind of like um kevin klein in the movie about cole porter oh my have you not seen this i have not seen this i can't it sounds i don't know what this is it sounds familiar i can't Uh, place it oh my god Um, what's it uh, i'm blanking on the name of it the lovely that that was wendy's husband yelling out the lovely no, it's not Kevin Klein and Lovely, which is honest about his sexuality and about his relationship with his wife and everything. But I saw a, no, that was it. I saw a biopic that was made like in the 50s about Cole Porter starring, if I remember right, Tyrone Power, maybe? Tyrone Power, maybe? <laughs> but anyway, it was hilarious to watch from, you know, a modern knowing perspective as things keep happening and then... He goes to kiss the girl, and you're just like, that's really not what he was after. No. <laughs> really not. By the way, I yep. looked it up. The name of the 1946 biopic about Cole Porter, ironically enough, did not star Tyrone Power. It starred in the role of Cole Porter, the gay man, Cary Grant. <laughs> um, oh, my. And uh, it's called Night and Day. If you like watching films that just, from the modern perspective, you just watch it and go, wow, are you getting it wrong? That one's really kind of enjoyable mm-hmm. in, in just a shaking your Class, head. Classic Ooh. high, a lot of classic Hollywood biopics were just outright invention. Yeah. Oh, um, so hilarious. Yeah, I mean. But, I mean, Cole Porter is fascinating, yeah. so I do recommend The Lovely, but that's off topic. But, you know, getting back to the... the um, Okay. The 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 the, um, the problematic historical ones. Pro- problematic historical ones. Since I just watched the general, it is fresh in my mind. Oh. Buster Keaton's The General, um, which is a brilliant movie. It is fantastic. It is uh, Buster Keaton considered it his best, and a lot of people consider it its best work. And it, it it's not my favorite one, but it is the, fantastic. And the hero is the hero is a confederate. A, a confederate. And the, the, the thing that is really irksome about it is the movie is, it, it's about, it, the general is a train. And the Union soldiers steal a train and they go into the south and start cutting down uh, telegraph wires. And then Buster Keaton chases after them to get his train back and to win the girl and become a soldier in the Confederate Army. 
Well, the the thing is, this was a real incident. This is a true story that it's based on. Oh. Um, there were several soldiers who infiltrated the enemy lines and cut down telegraph wires and were captured by the Southern Army and executed as spies and posthumously got the Medal of Honor. So they are heroes of our nation. <laughs> I mean, these real guys. And yet they're the villains of this movie, which I find yeah. fascinating and kind of ooky. Yeah, just and sort of what was going on there? Buster. Yeah. The, the, and, the, and if you've seen Buster Keaton's other movies, there are a couple other movies where he's very fascinated with the antebellum self, like Our Hospitality and um, I want to say Seven Chances also goes into that. But he, he wasn't from the South. He was in Kansas. I wonder and, how much of that is just uh, it being the silent era and birth of a nation just kind of... The D.W. Griffith. Occupying uh, everyone's mind well, as yeah, well. This, I, this is the greatest thing ever. Yeah, and I'm wondering, you know, ha- having not been from the 1920s, right. I wonder if the Civil War wasn't necessarily seen as this big it, battle for... Well, the for, Civil War... It, right? it was still kind of almost recent memory. I mean, well, yeah, there, almost, were, there were still people from the Civil War alive when Buster Keaton was I mean, it's, on it's kind of like doing a, a World War II movie. Well, actually, almost. it's more, no, it's it's more, more like, like a doing a Vietnam. Vietnam movie. Yeah, but... Because there I mean, are still people alive who were at, were at Vietnam. Vietnam. And there would have been still people alive who had been in the Civil War at that point in time. And it's still a time of segregation in the South. Yeah. And and the Jim Crow South, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm remembering my timeline right there. Yeah. 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 Um, so there still is this strong strain in America of, but black people are really secondary. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's it's a little okay to talk about the South and be yeah, okay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm wondering if the Civil War at that time was framed more as a states' rights conflict as conflict over slavery, which is kind of how we think about it now. It was a lot more romanticized, I'm sure. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. If we're going to talk about movies that are uh, a victim of their time, Mm -hmm. we should touch base on, of course, Song of the South. Song of the South is a must. I got Um, a couple others. Although, I, I feel like Song of the South gets vilified because... You know, well, there's slaves in it, and the slaves, and it's you know the you know the magic Negro and all that stuff. But I'm sorry, when you watch the Song of the South, it's just so lovely and so well, warm, and it's not that it's a complete fabrication. I the problem yeah. is, yeah, if you try to say this was the experience of all slavery, which you know it was well, not. Yeah, and, I mean it was not even the experience of most. Slavery. It was the experience of a vanishingly small amount of slavery, but there were actual slave owners who did treat their slaves well. Mm-hmm. But but was, they're still slaves. But they're still slaves. Still slaves. Yeah. It's and not. It's not like they got you know dental benefits or something. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I'm just, I'm getting flashbacks to twelve years of slave right now, and it's oh and god. I'm I'm sorry. Sorry for spoilers for Game of Thrones, but in season four of Game of Thrones, right? Daenerys is going around all these slaver cities and yeah. she's, re- she's freeing the slaves and she just had an experience of a slave go- coming to her and petitioning her as queen saying, I would like to be a slave again. 
because I liked my life. And now I'm living in a slum and I don't have any food and I don't have a job and I am treated and I am preyed upon by those who are stronger and I am an old man. I had a position of respect in a household. Mm-hmm. I was the teacher of my master's children. I would like to be a slave again, please. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's yay. That's that shows the complicated nature of, you know, institutionalized slavery and, and you know, the, ah, it's such a problem. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, I, um... So, yeah, Game of Thrones is problematic media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Game of Thrones is really problematic. Yeah, it's it's dealing with a lot of... Well, when they... What stuff was like in the Middle Ages? Uh, No, there's a part where Jaime rapes his sister, and there are no consequences, and she still loves him. Yeah. Yeah? They did that for the show, that wasn't in the book. Well, it I, it doesn't matter. It's still no, yeah, yeah. I yeah. that's like doubly icky. Yeah, it's like they didn't even have the books to fall back on and blame it on Martin. <laughs> God damn it, Martin! It's his fault. He made us do it. Going back to Song of the South for a moment, um, it occurs to me that the problem with Song of the South isn't so much that it was portraying a lie about slavery; it's that it was movies like Song of the South were pretty much the only depictions of slavery at that point in time. I want to talk briefly about uh, Cabin in the Sky. Oh, yeah. No, I didn't see this, so this one's all on you. Cabin in the Sky, um, I want to point out, because it's a fascinating movie if you're willing to sit through it, because it is a movie from the, I want to say 1930s, maybe 1940s. I'd have to look up the year. But it is a movie that's um, cast with almost completely, if not completely, with black actors. Yay! Which is amazing. There was a right? fair number of those back then. Yeah, there, but they there were was, they were always really racist. Yeah, it was like a it was like a cottage industry. But um, yeah, the, it it was the, it's this movie about a man and a wife who the man is a gambler but trying to lead the good life and and like God and the devil are fighting over him and he passes away and it, you know there there's this whole thing with. The, the angel and the devil on either shoulder fighting over him. No, and, wait, it, and it's this he's weird... He's got a point. It, yeah, it's this weird-ass uh, religious fantasy. There, there is some crazy-ass shit going on in that movie, and it's worth watching just for the sheer bizarre spectacle of the thing. So what's offensive but, about it? But the... Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to that. There, there are some things about... The, the script does genuinely try to have real characters in the movie, but they are all these black stereotypes. Oh. And it's really hard to watch. It, it, like, what it, kind it, of black stereotype? Like, there's the, the the lead guy who is the gambler who's being fought over by the, the angel and the devil is the kind of bumbling black man fool with the... He's got the thick accent, the, the thick southern black accent of that time, and not real smart, and and it's just across the board. And yet there are these wonderful performers who are just struggling to do this well. Mm-hmm. And then there are dance sequences that are amazing. The tap dancing in this movie is astounding. <laughs> it, it's just anytime a a dance number happens, it, it is just this amazing document of the talent that this group of actors had. 
Yeah, is this, I've heard people, I haven't seen this, and I've heard people discuss this. Is this the movie that had, like, the dance sequence that's set in, uh, quote, Black Heaven? No, no, no. Nope, we're going to get to that one. We're going to talk, let's move on to Wonder Bar. That's our segue into Wonder Bar, which was an Al Jolson pre-Hayes commission. Oh, yeah. Um, Blackface... Um, yeah. Oh my! And oh my Busby God! Busby Berkeley, right? Busby Berkeley directed. Yeah. Tim so, Tim was telling me about this, like the dancing around the pork chop trees and, and oh, the water, oh the dancing watermelon slices. <laughs> and, okay. Oh my God! Oh, it's horrifying. The move, but the movie is fantastic because Al Jolson was a really good. Performer. He was a great performer. The he script, did, yeah. be, because it's pre Hayes Commission, is. Naughty. Yes. There's a lot of naughty going oh, yeah. on there. Oh and, yeah. And and you could be naughtier in a African American film because. Well, but you know, it, but it's not African American. Yeah. It is white people in a white bar. Okay. And he's the club owner, and then he does. These, oh, jeez. Okay. And then he does these blackface numbers to entertain the patrons. Okay. See, I was thinking it was like a, a, a an African American cast. No. no. Oh, hell. Oh, my God. No. No, it's Al Jolson in blackface. Okay. I, oh, oh, shit ass. Oh, God. No. It's, okay. it's, a, um, it's, Al, it's a blackface number that is also set in Pickaninny Heaven. Oh, God. God. There is God. even a sign that says Pickaninny Heaven for the closing finale number called Going to Heaven on a Mule. Oh, Because we all God. know black people were promised... What is it, 40 acres and a mule? Is it 40 acres or 10? Whatever, some amount of acres and a mule. So he's uh-huh. going to heaven on a mule. And when he gets to heaven, there are pork chop trees and dancing watermelon slices. And the, But it's Busby Berkeley directed, so the direction is great. The dance numbers are epic. It is fantastic. And at the same time, your jaw is on the floor and you're you're just a gape. I was happened to be sitting next to an acquaintance of mine at Butnamathon when it screened. Uh, to be discreet, I won't say who, but I happened to be sitting next to him when we were both much younger people. And as the as we got to go into heaven on a mule, he just leaned over. He's like, "Oh, I am not stoned enough to be watching this." <laughs> Have either of you seen Coal Black and the Seven Dwarves? Oh, God. Now, we're talking about quality movies oh. that happen to be offensive. Is there anything quality about it? Okay, okay. It's This is one of the <laughs> this is one of the uh, forbidden Warner Brothers cartoon shorts. Oh, my goodness. Of, of the old era. It is consistently on many lists as one of the top 100 cartoons ever made. So it's brilliant, but it's, it's racist. Yeah, it's, it, there, there's a real... It's a weird experience because there's like a real genuine love of like the hot jazz music of like the late 30s and early 40s in it, mm-hmm. but it's presented in a way that you just absolutely no modern audience can can at all digest. <laughs> you know, it's just it is it is just racist as goddamn hell. While we were talking about movies, a lot of I have we have our list here, listeners, and I'm looking through them, and more than half of them are older films. So more yeah. than half of them are films that they're just a victim of their time. But Showboat, oh Showboat, okay, we've touched which, upon Showboat before, but we can touch upon it again. I just want to touch upon it as why is it offensive? I mean, it's it's it was groundbreaking for its time, and it brought up issues of racism and the ridiculousness ridiculousness of racism because you have a character who's one-eighth black or something like yeah. that, and she, she gets basically kind of arrested and thrown out. But why do I find it problematic? 
Because you have this leading lady character who falls in love with a completely worthless man who gambles away all their money and then abandons her, and she's left trying to scramble to make a living, and finally her father finds her through sheer luck and brings her home, and then the ne'er-do-well shows up later and all is forgiven and she still loves him. What? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? And it was... And it's still, you know, my absolute favorite, mm-hmm. Mr. Mr. Longlegs. Mm-hmm. Well, there, there's, you know... Oh, what's his name? What's his name? Rick Keel. Howard Keel. Howard Keel. It's Howard Keel. The gorgeous and the, the wonderful Howard Keel, the handsome legs for days Howard Keel, and I still can't forgive him in that movie for playing such an awful character. Oh, well, yeah, and but, you know, if we're going to go on Showboat, there's Porgy and Bess. I mean, once again, when yeah. when that came out, that was a tremendous groundbreaking piece of work. I mean, that was Gershwin. It it, it, it was acknowledging African American life in some. Best you yeah. is my woman. Yeah, some reasonable. Well, reasonable is a horrible choice of words, but but like. I mean, it, it, it's it's validating. It, a way of it's validating showing, like, that yeah. black people exist and yes. that they live real lives. And, yes. they, and they have and they, a culture of their own, but the problem yeah. is when a white person writes black culture, there's no way it's going to come off well. No. Yeah. And yet, that's some pretty amazing music that, oh my that God, Gershwin yeah. wrote. Gershwin for, is a master. Yeah. For, for years and years and years, one of my, but the one perennial item on... Like, my mom's Christmas wish list was uh, a recording of Porgy and Bess. <laughs> and I could never find one. Huh. Mm-hmm. You know, back when I was a kid. and Well, yeah, that would be hard to find when you were a kid. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like you just yeah, when, you when go you into, have, like, the... Uh, when you go into Musicland or Tidal Wave, right. you, know, you can't find that I'm switch. looking for Porgy and Bess. And they're like, what? what? What the hell is that? Is that Don't you want... The White Snake tapes are over here. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see those? Okay, so other... Going kind of running through like that sort of era, Peter Pan, yeah. the animated oh, Disney, my Lord. which is beautiful and wonderful until you get to the part where you get with the Indians and me hokum with the talkie. Oh, it, it's cheaper. fairly, it, it's pretty darn rare that I'm actually nauseated by a scene. But when I saw that as an adult, I was actually nauseated. Yeah, I that was Teddy really likes Peter Pan, yeah. and I'm really kind of struggling with like. I don't know how to present this, and which is why I like the live-action Peter Pan that came out like a decade oh, ago. Yeah. It's like, hey, honey, this is Peter Pan. Why don't you watch this one instead? This <laughs> one's much better. <laughs> but no. Um, and you get your gun. And you get your gun has the exact same thing. There's that one scene just dropped in there. It's like, oh, that's not I'm an good. Indian, too. Oh, oh no. no. <laughs> don't no. do that. Yeah, no. I mean, it's pretty hard to... Uh, before a certain point in time, it's pretty hard to swing a dead cat without hitting a western that had really horrible Indian portrayals in it. Yeah, uh, that's true. Okay, so let's. Uh, oh God, wasn't it? Was it the Searchers where they had a German guy playing the Indian chief? I don't. Which, which was weird for the Searchers because it it was actually pretty. Um, for it, 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 well, it, it, again, it for the time, played, progressive sort. Of. Yeah, it was actually yeah. kind of progressive, especially considering it's a John Wayne, John Ford thing. Yeah, and they were addressing <laughs> John Wayne's racism in the picture, and yet they yeah. have a white guy dressed. Yeah. As, oh, I, I I can't think of yeah, the name. Yeah, sort of problematic. There. That's really really problematic. I, Indians are people too, and the very fact I'm using Indians is I'm yeah. very. I conscious. know. Yes. There, there's like this blue-eyed yes. German dude. Yes. <laughs> But 
Yeah, uh, this is a weird topic oh. to discuss on wine. Because yeah. it's like, you accidentally, oh wait, I shouldn't have said that. Yeah, well, that's why we have Well, editing. that's why we have editing. I, I, can't, I can't think of the name of it, but it's in one of the Golden Turkey Awards books. But it was a movie that was set in the South Sea Islands. Oh. And it was some sort of, like, weird way of portraying South Sea Islanders as being all hot and sexual, but, you know, but they're not white people, so, you know, hey, we can... So it's okay. So it's okay. Because it's a different culture that they're all sluts. But, oh, yeah. But, yeah, that kind of a thing. But but the point I was going to bring up is that the uh, the actor who plays, like, the chieftain of, of these Polynesian Islanders is this Jewish guy with a really heavy Yiddish accent. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's so it's like double, it's there's like kind of almost a double racism thing going on because it's like so because you listen to him and he, he sounds like a, a, a Jewish joke almost, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, ah, you know, it, it was just the weirdest thing to try and even. It's a horrible movie. Don't watch it. Don't don't look oh, it up. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I brought that up. I'm sorry. Because, because you're Kelvin and you must. You're yeah. Like you the 39 must. steps. It, but yeah, I yeah, mean, you you're asked a question. And it's you like must who do we get it. to play these you know these non-white people who aren't we don't consider to be real people? How about this other ethnic group we don't really okay. consider to be people? So <laughs> other problematic huh. ra- racial portrayals, of course, thoroughly modern Millie, which. I was shown. <laughs> I was sh- that there, my husband made a whimpering noise in the background because I was shown this when I was a teenager, and it's it's got Julie Andrews and Mary Tyler Moore, and it's a delightfully ridiculous concoction. It's got um, Carol Channing. Carol Channing, <laughs> raspberries. It's got some delightful musical numbers, and it's a farce, and it's it's actually quite funny. And then there's the part where the Chinese people come in. <laughs> and that's just horrible. And I don't I just sort of gloss over that when I think about the movie because I find the movie so delightful and then I'm like, "Oh, you've never seen it, honey. I'll show it to you." And we sat down to watch it and then, and then the Chinese people appeared and Chris was just like, "What is that? How are you okay with this?" And I'm like, "It's just the movie, honey. Just relax. It's it yeah, no, you're right. That's really a problem, isn't it?" <laughs> Cuz they have like a Chinese laundry and they have this fake Chinese language that they speak to each other. Oh, oh my God. Words. Yeah. Like the Ching Chong. Chu Cho. Chu Cho. Oh, oh, yeah. No. Yeah. No. no. How hard is it just to actually learn some fucking Chinese? Find someone who speaks Chinese and just have, like, at least. Phonetically, but that said, it's such a delightful oh. movie. I mean, they turned it into a Broadway musical that was a hit, and they took out that part, obviously, which ha- was really difficult because the it's oh, and the plot is white slavery by Chinese people, Chinese people stealing white women. Oh God! Oh, oh I, boy! Yeah, it's <laughs> it's really oh. problematic. Oh yeah! I'm sorry, but I just love it, and it's so awful. There are so many uh, old-time comedies that I'm really fond of, and there's always, like, one scene that has, like, really stereotypical black characters or really stereotypical Jewish characters or 
Oh. Asians or something in it. And or it's you just could like, take a oh. beloved series like James Bond. Yeah. And his entry into the I'm a racist too. I'm a racist too. <laughs> which would be, of course, which one? You only you live twice. twice. Yeah. James oh. Bond in Yellowface. Oh, oh, such a smelly movie. You know what? There, there are so many things I love about that movie because there's a volcano full of ninjas and I can truly get behind that concept. Yeah. And then, <laughs> who can't get behind? I, mean, I want to know the person who wouldn't want a volcano version. I, I want a volcano version. The only thing better than a volcano full of ninjas would be like a volcano full of dinosaurs or something. Dinosaurs yeah. with ninjas on their backs. Yeah. That would be awesome. Dinosaurs, yes, right. Oh my god, that's awesome. I want somebody to draw me that picture now. Because why would you want a volcano filled with magma? That's just boring. <laughs> Every volcano is filled with magma. Jeez. <laughs> that, How pedantic. Yeah. And it's hot and it burns you. That's no, no, no good. No, no, no. Magma dinosaurs with magma ninjas riding them. Oh, I still don't like it as much as like your classic ninja on a dinosaur. <laughs> ninjas riding a dinosaur. Some people want some people want the plain the right the original recipe for red chicken, some want the extra crispy. <laughs> Thank you, Kelvin. That was a terrible metaphor. I don't know why. Ninjas Riding a Dinosaur is the name of my Moody Blues cover band. So anyway, You Only Live Twice with James Uh, Bond in Yellowface. I don't know that there's much more to say about it. Yeah. And I mean, that's that's the whole plot. Yeah. It really is. Oh, and You Only Live Twice. You Only... Live twice. It's live twice. You only live twice. I remember. I remember. Being that he fakes, he fakes his death so that he can go undercover as a Chinese person. Japanese. Japanese. Pardon me. And I didn't know that. You're racist. I am racist. (laughs) They're all alike. Well, but uh... Um, and as a Japanese person, where and so you have Sean Connery in that awful makeup. Oh my! I remember watching that. I remember watching that movie as a kid, and the racism angle of it not. Occurring to me because I was really young and it was the 70s and all that. But, you know, I'm just genuinely stupefied. What? Why can they not tell he's not Japanese? (laughs) Because he's the worst. He's the most unconvincing Japanese person ever. How do you make Sean Connery Japanese? How about you just get a Japanese spy and send him in? That would seem to be You would think. You would think MI5 or MI6, whatever the organization is. Yeah, you'd think they would have contact with a Japanese person. No. <laughs> There's got to be at least one Japanese person living in England. No, this is the British Empire, time. where British people are so profoundly better, they can even do Japanese better than Japanese people. <sighs> we are so superior in all ways. We're better at you than you are. Hi-ya. <laughs> oh, was that? <laughs> Choo-choo. Choo-choo. Um, okay, so well, then... We've done an awful lot of racism. Yes, we're on the racism tangent. Okay, well then I'm willing to go briefly into the wow, why would you do that to a woman and tell me that's okay? Like, also the segue from one bond to another. Everybody loves From Russia with Love, and I just can't get over how misogynistic it is. It's true, it is. I mean, and I love James Bond Bond films. I, I love Goldfinger. I think Diamonds and Forever, Diamonds Are Forever is a trip. I love that movie. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Russia with Love, I can't watch it. I watched it once mm-hmm. because you, I was watching my way through the whole series. I watched it once and went, this is incomprehensible plot-wise. And I hate everything that's happening on this screen right now. Yeah, fair enough. 
I mean, literally, he slaps her. She turns around. Oh, James. And they kiss. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, barf. Well, I mean, taking that tangent with uh, Sean Connery, there's Hitchcock's Marnie, which is a, bucket, uh. a true bucket full of wrong. I mean, part of it is... God, all this is with Sean Connery, too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It, so you have Tippi Hedren as a... a well, a truly interesting character. In uh, an interestingly messed up woman. Yeah, uh, you know, she's described in the movie as, you know, quote, frigid, which makes me all ooky. But um, she's um, got issues with sexuality, and she's this strong, opinionated woman, and Sean Connery's character comes in and ev- eventually just up and rapes her to, for her own good. Well, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Ugh, because you're frigid, and so what you just need is a man to break you in. Yeah, and that's pretty. And, much and I, I remember reading something about that that like Hitchcock cast Connery basically because, as as generally considered, like the most like the most just handsomest male actor at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, a very appealing man. That yeah. that he could he could like pull that off or something yeah to <laughs> well what is the, yeah. what is what is the outcome are there any consequences is she improved they by married they they eventually get married oh. yeah i know right oh yeah it's 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 horrible it's they, horrible they, it's horrible they get to, to be to be fair to credit the movie i don't think it was meant to be a feel-good movie <laughs> It, it's it's Hitchcock, and Hitchcock is actually pretty good at handling really ooky sexual stuff. Yeah. In, in, well, um, if you look at Hitchcock, it, there's a lot. He had some sexual issues that he was working out through. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Period. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Marnie is where a lot of this stuff came Just put it right down here. We'll grab it when we need it. Yeah. Um, this, <laughs> like that, now. No. <laughs> that would be my husband offering us yet another bottle of wine, because we all know that this will end well. If we're on the train of, I know what I'll do to make help you get better, I will oh, rape you. Oh, yeah. But we're still under the category of movies that are actually good. You just got to look that one part in me, Miss Sadie Thompson yeah. with mm-hmm. the incomparable Rita Hayworth in 3D. If you can see it in 3D, 3D people see it in 3D because she yeah. is Gorgeous and Rita there Hayworth is, dancing. In there the is a lot of 3D going on there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kelvin and I saw it. <laughs> Wendy we, we is all... moving her hands in front of her chest. And, yeah, yeah, because gestures are great. Right? And, you know, as and yeah, it's Rita Hayworth, and I'm a heterosexual male, and I'm like, hey, wow, and Kelvin's okay. eyes got really big. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. you know, as they do. And, <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Very Tex Avery cartoon thing. Yeah. Yeah, and but you know she's. A wonderful performer in the movie. It's, oh, she well, she's a brilliant performer. Yeah, yeah. And, and the whole movie is about her sex appeal and charm. Honestly, I would like to watch it again because I saw it at Putnamathon and it was fairly late and I was tired and I enjoyed it, but I wasn't really watching it critically. I was just yeah. enjoying it as a film. I would like to watch it critically because I am, I think in in retrospect, the concepts about the male gaze and the assumptions we make about a sexual person, right? That here is somebody who is sexual and she can't, and I know, and this I do know is true, not just like, I I feel like my memory is faulty. No, this is a woman who is trapped by her sexuality. Yeah. She is Mm -hmm. so sexual. She is so attractive and she gives off such sensuality that no matter where she goes, 
that is all people see in her. And mm-hmm. she wants to be other than that, but it's easier to just fall and back And she winds up on an island in the South Pacific in World War II that's all full of servicemen. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and a priest. And a priest. And the priest who's is really the worst messed of it. Up. And wait, who plays the priest? It's is I it, can't I can't remember. I want to say he's French. Jose no, not French. I apologize. It's Jose Ferrer? It's Jose Ferrer. That's right. Oh, shit. That's right. Uh, so I was correct in that it was a Latin sort of an accent because yeah. uh, of course he's Hispanic. Um yeah, and what happens? He rapes her for her own good because he's playing the He's not a priest. He's a preacher, though. He's some sort of god man. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, he, I, I, and, and it's and most of the movie is the, the conflict, moral, the moral conflict. The traditional. He's like the traditional moral voice in the movie, and there is something in the way that the movie's presented that, like, the super traditional moral voice isn't correct necessarily. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's yeah, a, it's a great movie, and it's a complex yeah. movie where the person who represents what would be the moral good. Is clearly being presented as a problematic as the worst as well. person in the movie. Yeah. Although I thought, although I'm I'm wondering if this truly is a problematic movie where yes, this character rapes her for her quote unquote, quote unquote her own good, but it's not portrayed in the movie as a good thing. Yeah, but she changes after. That's she, true. She they, does. They, 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 they do true. tack on sort of a weird Hollywood happy ending, mainstream America mm-hmm. morality kind of ending to it, which is really terrible. And that's what makes it problematic is... That's yeah. true. She I is, forgot about that part. I she forgot about that, yeah. changed for the better by it. I mean, because up until that point, it's totally like a Frollo in the Dis- Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame, where Frollo is just lusting after Esmeralda, and you're just like, um, my daughter's watching this, and she's five. Hello, what's going on? <laughs> what the hell? So, yeah, Miss Sadie Thompson is great, except for that one part... Ah! There, there's an awful, there's a bad tendency in a lot of old Hollywood movies to just sort of tack on some sort of weird mainstream morality or patriotic or ha- quote happy ending unquote. Okay, so just is is weird. Moving us forward, yeah, because talking about uh, talking about how women get treated in films, there's the descent. Oh, the descent, yeah, which is a horror movie that in general. I love. Mm-hmm. There is a lot to like about it. It's claustrophobic. It's dark. It takes a left turn into monster movie territory rather unexpectedly. Oh, I, I love that when when it, it we we watched it completely unawares. Yeah, and it, like out of the blue, hey, this movie is called The Descent. Oh, what's this? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I suppose we'll find out. And looking gone bad. Yeah. What could go wrong? <laughs> but but yeah. So it's and then it goes into monster movie territory. You go oh hey. Oh. Oh, Whoa. I thought this was just going to be a We're Trapped Underground movie, which is horrifying enough, but now there are monsters! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> monsters! So, But um, there's a lot to like yeah. about it, because first off, it's an all-female cast. Yeah, that's fantastic! That's great! Yay! Passes the Bechdel test. Um, and they're talking about their own relationships and about all sorts of things, and they're interesting women. They're fascinating. They're not doing typical, like, let's go to the spa. No, they're going <laughs> spelunking. They're yeah. going They're going caving. That's great. Except that a primer- there's two problems with it. The primary conflict happens because one of the women decides to be a fucking stupid bitch. And take them to an unexplored cave where there are no maps. Mm -hmm. So they have no way of figuring out how to get out. Okay, that's problem number one. 
any experienced caver is not going to do that. That's just BS. Why would you go into a cave where you didn't know how to get out without adequate backup systems? Right. And number two, the even more problematic, oh, by the way, your husband died, and by the way, I was having an affair with him. And now you found it out, and now in the middle of this movie, suddenly we're having a cat fight. <laughs> in this series, I'm not, it's, ugh. Like, the only way to motivate women is through... The, you took my man. Yeah, yeah, like the only motivation for a woman is so it wasn't, her relationship. It, it wasn't like a, a like not that this would be better necessarily, but not it wasn't like a uh, I haven't seen the movie, but it, but it wasn't like we're going to die. So like here's something I really need to get off my chest. No, it no. was a we're in the middle of this cave and a necklace you're wearing tips me off that tickles a memory of wait a minute, my husband who is now dead, and I've been grieving his death, and part of why we're taking this trip is yeah. I'm finally done grieving. They're trapped in this cave. There are monsters coming at, at them. There are bigger problems they've got. They yes. don't know how to get out, and there are monsters at, at, coming after them. She looks at the necklace and, wait a minute, you were fucking my husband. What? Uh, um, yeah, sorry. And then she kills her. It's like, this could be somebody to help you escape. And you'd rather kill them yeah. because she fucked your husband. And by the way, did well, you, you know, did bitches this? are emotional like that. You know, did the woman no. ever promise you not to screw around? No, it was no. the husband who made the promise. If you're yeah. going to be angry, make a be angry at the husband yeah. who's now dead. It's, ah, such a good movie, ruined, <laughs> ruined. Okay, so we're getting so impassioned, we had to open up a second bottle. My <laughs> listeners, this is. <laughs> I didn't see who made this. Is the Gaucho Club? <laughs> it is the Gaucho Club's version of Oak Cask Malbec. Mm. This is an Argentinian Malbec from 2013. Oh, wow! Watch out for Argentinians. Just oh, yeah. then, a narcoleptic Argentinian fell through my ceiling. <laughs> I love that movie. I know, right? Fess hates it. But your What's your boy has Fess? a problem. No. He hates musicals with, like, to an almost unre. It is unreasoning. There, there's an episode about that coming up. There, it's it's a knee jerk reaction, which is unfair to good movies. Because not all, all not I know this is coming out of my mouth. Not all musicals are good. <gasps> I know. <laughs> but he he doesn't even acknowledge there might be a musical that is good. He's got issues. He's wrong, and he's got so many issues. I used to be like that with westerns. He's wrong, and he knows it now, because I told him. He doesn't even like Moulin Rouge. Oh, he hates Moulin Rouge. I don't understand that. So, Evil Dead, a movie I really love. Who doesn't? Yeah, it's it's a fantastic horror movie made on a shoestring budget by people who love it. Anyone who likes low-budget horror at all. Anybody who likes movies. I mean, I'm sorry, Sam Raimi is a very... Talented director. Oh yeah, and it was oh, right yeah. off the bat. He, he he, a tremendously energetic director with Wonderful. a great visual style. Oh yeah, and a, and of course Bruce Campbell as your leading actor, yeah. charismatic, plus that chin. Yes, and it, it's it's a fantastic horror movie. And then there's Tree Rape, yeah. and that's a problem. That is a problem. It, it, it really it really is. Yeah, it, like. It's a totally unnecessary scene that doesn't have an impact on anything else except for upsetting all the women in the audience. I mean, and I guess if your goal 
is to horrify. I mean, points for originality. I'll give it that, but... I mean, uh. well, the thing is, if your goal is to horrify, then there is something to be said for tapping into what is truly going to horrify uh-huh. people. Like, Brian Keene, uh, noted horror author, we were having a discussion once about just all the different ways that pregnancy mm-hmm. and abortion and all of the different ways that you can violate a woman that are tied to procreation. Yeah. And how effective those are at making an audience, especially a female audience, but almost any audience, uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And when you're a horror writer, that's your goal, right? Is to horrify. And it's like, well, you're making Evil Dead, which is a horror movie, and then there's tree rape, and that is horrifying. But the problem is that the movie is so campy otherwise that throwing that in is a little like... Well, see, the, the first one wasn't... It's a little tactile. Yeah. Well, the first one is a more pure horror, and yes. Evil Dead 2 is more campy. Yes. But even the first one has... Ha, the, the horror is about death, not about violation. Yeah, and it's... It's it's like the tree rape scene doesn't fit in with the rest of it. Yeah. It it it's unnecessary. It's kind of out of step with the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it really feels like, "Oh, you just put it in here to gross us out." Um it, there's this one And because and it's sort of a it feels like a, a snickering schoolboy. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. was kind of that era of low budget films and I think Evil Dead is kind of at the tail end of it where it was like de rigueur to have a rape scene in it. Yeah. Well, there was, and I'm not saying that was at all a good thing. I, I have no idea what the name of the film is. Please yeah. bear with me. But there was, I remember watching, what did my mother let me watch? Jesus Christ. There was something in the late 70s, which means I would have been like seven, eight, or nine years old. But there was this sort of space movie where. There's a woman, and she ends up all alone, and she gets attacked by a worm with tentacles. You know what's going to happen. Space seed? No. No. I'm thinking of something else. And obviously the tentacles... Demon seed. No, no, no. no. This is a space movie. Demon seed was futuristic bit on Earth. Um, And I remember she was in this, like, dark... Demon seed's a computer that... Yeah. Um, (laughs) And a dark corridor, like, on a spaceship, and the monster... Why would a monster take a tentacle and start raping this woman? That's that's the logic aside. But here's why it's really extra problematic is it starts penetrating her and there is a, a very clear moment where she's enjoying it. Icky. And then there's a moment where she's screaming and then the tentacle comes out the top of her head. Yeah, I know, right? This was made into a... Somebody thought that was a good idea somewhere. Ugh. Okay, but we were talking about movies we like that are problematic. That's not a movie we like. No, nobody yeah. likes that. Yeah, so I'm not a big fan of tentacles bursting out of the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> Anymore. <laughs> there was that one time I tried it because you should try everything once, and I found out I didn't like it. Yeah. There, there was this like interesting little restaurant that opened up on the corner and it's called Tentacles Bursting Out of Your Head and I went there like and I drank the food and it's like no this is awful this is really unpleasant I think people are going to die <laughs> there were a so, number of um, rip-offs of Alien that kind of 
took the kind of the wrong lesson from Alien. Of, yeah. Like they went way into the body invasion. Well, yeah, they made angle. the uh, they made the xenomorph look kind of like a penis. So penises are in. <laughs> Some giant monster penises. Oh, literally. Wendy. <laughs> <The> <laughs> oh, I'm so okay, proud. So, so some okay, of these movies we're going to... Well, it's time to move into our problematic auteurs. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's let's mm. get out of the 70s rape scene let's as go. fast as possible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait a second. No, we're talking about auteurs, so... Yeah, let's, talk about, the yeah, let's talk about Woody rape. Allen. And Roman Polanski, and Roman which Polanski. is still the '70s rape scene. Thank oh, you so boy. much. Okay, so okay, we'll start with what Roman Polanski. Let's start with Roman Polanski because I think I can talk more about Roman Polanski than the rest of them. I'm always so torn about Roman Polanski because I really love his movies. His I... movies are amazing, and regardless of what crime he was. What a you know uh, not that he committed he committed and admitted to and fled the country for. He, a lot of his movies are very feminist, I believe. Like if you see Repulsion, this is oh, yeah. amazing, uh, amazingly sensitive portrayal of a woman who is mentally ill and trapped in her apartment and. Well, even Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby is amazing. Where she is being violated, and yet it is clearly presented as something that is wrong. Yeah. This is really not okay. Yeah. And that a woman trapped in this situation, it would start to feel very supernatural. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? There's a lot to like about a Roman Polanski film. Yeah. What happened, Roman? Why would you think that was okay yeah because it's not just that he did it and admitted to it that there's a real strain of he kind of doesn't think what he did was wrong yeah or he he was so scared at that point in his career that he fled and has committed his life to that to that one mistake and 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 the it's hard the, to know i mean we're not roman polanski and oh, I know. let's face it that when you're in hollywood that is such an echo chamber mm-hmm. of power and ego. Yeah. That it does become very easy when you're a player to cease to realize that the world doesn't revolve around you, right? That, right. That you it's easy to lose the fact that those other people are real people. Yeah. You don't get to tell them what to do and you don't get to have power over them. Because you're a big name or something. I don't know. Yeah. It, well, and, uh, and, and then there's this additional angle that it was so long ago that the the woman who was the victim has gone on record to say, I'm not interested in pursuing this anymore. I want to live my life. I don't want to be identified for the rest of my life as the woman who was violated by Roman Polanski. Yeah. And she's she she said she's done with it. And, and yet, you know, if he sets foot on American soil again, he will be arrested and and, and tried. Incarc- incarcerated for this this crime. Yeah. Now, no wait, did they try him in absentia? Um, he he's been convicted, if I remember right. Okay. So if it's not, like he literally can't enter America. Yeah, he cannot em- enter jail. America. Okay. It, you know, it's not like holding him in jail. I mean, we're, and on and, the and hand, yes, he should. It happened serve- so long ago. But really, you're, it's like it happens so long ago, why are we still... But at the same time, time doesn't excuse a wrongdoing when you right. never 
you never faced it. Right. You never faced the consequence of your action. Mm-hmm. And yet he's gone on to continue to make really great movies. Yeah. And then, you know, on, on a personal level, it's like, if I paid to see this movie, am I continuing to fund this man being on the lam from the law? Yeah. But on the other hand, I this is actually a really rewarding movie to watch. That really that deserves money. And and there was a very interesting point. I can't remember who who made this point, but I found it very relevant in that Roman Polanski is not the only person making money from these movies that he makes. It's hundreds of people that make this movie. Yeah. That, it's the, the DP. Yeah, the you're screenwriter. Giving, yeah, it's, you're giving the eight bucks to everybody who worked on this movie. It's not just... Roman Polanski. Roman Polanski. It's not just Roman Polanski. It's I mean, and, and it's, well, those people chose to work with Roman Polanski. Yes. Because yeah. he makes good movies. Because he makes good movies that are going to yeah. get seen. and Yeah. And at the same time, there's the flip side of, has he committed this crime again? It doesn't seem like it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. Whereas then on the flip side, we have Woody Allen. Yeah, and and well, I that's have, prob- but I mean, so yeah. Roman Polanski hasn't committed this crime again. Either he's gotten really smart about covering it up. Yeah, or that really was an aberration that he truly, that he either learned from or he was scared into not pursuing or whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. you could take the good version of him or the bad version, but it doesn't seem like he committed this crime again. Isn't it kind of okay at this point to move forward? Well, yeah, and and how much of this is also the American obsession with retribution? Which is a very, yeah, that's Mm -hmm. a very complex thing with Americans of needing to make somebody pay. Yeah, whereas maybe this person needs treatment or, you know, something to... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the real goal is to keep it from happening <laughs> yeah. again, if that's already kind of happened, aren't we already... Haven't we already done what needed to happen? Yeah. If the goal of incarceration is to make is to teach you a lesson so you don't do it again, mm-hmm. it seems like Roman Polanski has already learned his lesson. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I mean, I'm, yeah, who knows? I, I'm not a huge, like, research... He's, I've not done a lot of research on Roman Polanski mm-hmm. to know about his life and what has happened there, but you only ever hear about the one time. Yeah. yeah. And we have forgiven other people their crimes, for example, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I love him so much. However... But I mean, I mean the damage he... Although most of the damage he did to... It, himself yeah. rather than other people. Yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not a, a equating of, them at all, but yeah. there there was a time when, like, finding uh, Hugh Grant with a prostitute, and that was a big scandal, and now mm-hmm. nobody gives a fuck. Who cares? Yeah. I mean, and sexual trafficking and all of the prostitution issues, those are real, but uh, anyway, I'm not being clear. Who cares? Well, yeah, I, this part I, so, out. a so, lot of it for me is, I guess, like, is their offense evident in the movie. If Roman Polanski made a movie about a guy who, like, rapes an underage girl or something. And presents it as yay. Yeah, that would be... That would be horrifying. Really horrible. Uh, And where we go to Woody Allen territory, unfortunately. Which is older men with consistently younger and younger women that fawn over him. Yeah. I find it really hard to watch Woody Allen movies. I am more likely to condemn Woody Allen than I am 
Roman Polanski. Yeah, because, because Roman... The, the art that Roman Polanski puts out does not reflect his crime. But Whereas Woody Allen really kind of does. It really kind of does. And also, there's something extra creepy about rape is horrible, but molestation just really is triggery because that's a betrayal by a family member and it yeah. tears family apart. And then there's that whole issue of who believes who and well, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And if you, if you look at like the he said, she said of the whole thing with Woody Allen, it's clear there's a lot of power plays and, and like, well, she's just a drama queen while he, you know, and she just wants attention and no, he really did this horrible thing. And, and, I'm sorry, Woody, I would, I, you might have a shot at making me believe your case, except I've seen your movies. Mm-hmm. I think the most damning evidence in the world is all in... Is his oeuvre. Is, 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 totally, totally. Well, and I mean, also the fact that you raised an adopted daughter as your daughter and then decided you would sleep with her. Icky! I'm sorry, no, there is no way that that's a healthy choice. Mm. There is no way ever that's a healthy choice that you raised somebody from being a small child as your daughter and at some point you looked at them and thought, hmm, I'd like to tap that. No. That should never happen in a healthy person. That's, ugh. And yet, problematically, I love the Purple Rose of Cairo. Yeah, because that one doesn't, Show evidence of any of that. And that's like he, one he's of the not an actor in it. For one. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, that's true. He doesn't show his face. In that. There's a lo- there's a lot of Woody Allen movies I really like. They tend not to follow the most stereotypical Woody Allen. There's the Woody Allen movie that is clearly the Woody Allen is a player in this story. Even if he's not playing a role, somebody is a, somebody is playing the Woody Allen role. Mm-hmm. And then there are the other movies that are just, I wanted to tell this story. And those tend to be very fantastical and dreamlike stories. Yes. Yeah, I, I, Zelig is a favorite movie of mine. God damn it, Woody Allen. <laughs> All right, so let's move off of icky auteurs and of the sexual bent and briefly touch on Mel Gibson. Oh, Mel Gibson. Oh, look. I don't know if you were always crazy and you just did a better job of hiding it, but your crazy kind of showed there for a while. Either he went off his meds or he was on some meds, if you know what I'm saying. Well, his dad, I think being raised by his dad is going to... But I mean, for the longest time, he presented as normal. Yeah. So there is this sort of thing of either you hadn't... What, or or people get crazy when they get older. Maybe is this what I have to look forward to? That I'm going to get crazy. I, I don't. I don't. Oh god! I don't want to get into this like weird thing of like equating Christianity with like being really messed up. No, but no, no, no. But, no, no, but no. he was he was always like an incredibly strict Catholic. Okay, yeah, but that's he. And, no, the issue is not that he's Christian. The issue is yeah. the racism. Yeah. That he spewed and the yeah. crazy, the crazy that came out. It wasn't that he was Christian, which made him racist. No, there's some just fucked up crazy. I, 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 in there. I was thinking, and I'm some, making, I'm making the twirly things by the ears. I, 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 I was thinking of some like political opinions he expressed in the past, which were um, well. I mean, his yeah, he, he was raised sexist, crazy, conservative, kind crazy of crazy conservative. Yeah. yeah, which is never good. But that yeah. crazy conservative. 
can go round the bend to just fucking crazy. Right, yeah. Which is clear that his father is just fucking nuts. His father, yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. And yet, I kind of love Mel Gibson. He's been in a lot of things I've watched. There there are some movies he's made that I really like. And there, I mean, there, there are roles definitely that I like. You know, I love Lethal Weapon and stuff like that. I can definitely enjoy him as an actor. Um, some movies, like Apocalypto, I, it's not I bad. Really, it's There's not a bad movie. movie. And you know, I mean, honestly, once I, it's really I, interesting. Yeah, once I once I was down with what the premise of Apocalypto was, which wasn't what I expected, so it took a little bit of adjustment. It's like, oh, it's a chase movie that happens to be set in the Mayan Empire. But or an also, Aztec Empire, I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's also an interesting reflection on the end of an empire as it is oh, yeah. showing you that th- this completely hedonistic and um, corrupt culture is about to get fucked over. Yeah. The, it's, it's and, the, and, and, and that, I thought that was a very interesting choice coming from Gibson, you know, being the hyper-Christian that he is. I know. The doom is coming from Christians. And it's presented as a certain doom. A doom. But yeah. that is the doom for this culture, except that mm, you can see the opposite side, which was this is a very bad culture, and Christians are going to come in and kill it. Yeah. And that's a good thing. So, eh. Yeah. But, but, but anyway, but Braveheart... Movie. Braveheart, I, I'm not saying it's a great movie, but it is Mel Gibson at the height of his charismatic likableness, mm-hmm. right? Doing awesome, likable things. And Jodie Foster, who is an, an artist I really, 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 really like and respect, likes him as a personal friend. And mm-hmm. I can't help but find that colors my perspective a little bit of, oh, yeah, she, she knows him on a level mm-hmm. I will never know him. Right, I've been in the same room with yeah. Mel Gibson, though. I have. Oh yeah, so have I. Totally. I mean, we were there. And, you know, we, we we totally watched the rough cut of Passion of the Christ together. And then we were both very kind and did not say anything when he walked in the room. Yeah. Hi, I hated your film. That was a fucking terrible movie. Hi, your film kind of blew chunks. Everybody else in here is gonna lick your balls, but we're sitting back here keeping our mouths shut out of politeness. <laughs> I find it hilarious that there was a whole row of Minnesotans that were like. I don't like this movie. <laughs> well, as it turns out, a whole row of, row of atheist Minnesotans. Yes. We did not. We had not identified. We had not co- completed our life journey to that. But when you look down the row left to right, it's like atheists all the way down. A whole row of atheists going, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> when are we going to ask Kelvin the questions? Is it this episode I, or next? And we should ask him on this episode. Okay. Because we're pretty far afield. <laughs> so yeah. we should, okay, re- we should rest ask him the this train back on the tracks. Oh, shoosh. We're fine. We're I still know. on tracks. I, I we totally can still were. talk about... Chuga, 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 chuga. No, I don't want to... <laughs> no. Kelvin. That wasn't serious. Jesus. We could still talk <laughs> about rapes and stuff. hitting Kelvin. Yeah, if, if you heard that, like... Smack sound. I, was, I, I, I was smack smacked. Kelvin around a lot. He's getting used to it. Yeah. 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 It's good for him. All right, Kelvin, we're going to ask you our questions now. Oh, boy. Okay. The first question is, who are you? Uh, my name is Kelvin Hatley. Question number two, what do you do? Uh, I'm, I'm currently unemployed. I, oh. I do... Uh, hey, I'm unemployed, too! Yay! Yay! But I, uh, I'm also uh, an actor here locally. I... Uh, and dancer. And dancer. <laughs> I'm going to be. I'm dancing in Wendy's uh, next production. Yes. And uh, yeah, I've done a lot of comedy uh, type theater, improv, comedy, and uh, uh, stuff like that. All right. So um, hey, question number three, Kelvin. Yes. 
What is in your personal pleasure dome? So if you could create your own pleasure dome a la Kublai Khan. Oh, boy. Right? Give us something that would be in there, something that would just make you happy. It doesn't have to be movie-related or anything like right. that. Right. Uh, describe your personal man oh cave. God. Um, I'm trying not to come I, up with some horribly heterosexist male. Well, wait. Go with your I, first impulse, and let's see how Well, it would, it, would be, it would be very... Uh, What's heteronormative? Show us. Well, it would be like a very, um, you know, 1960s-era... Swinging bachelor padish. That'd be awesome. Are you kidding? I love nineteen six. I would love a nineteen sixties era with that sort of decor. Yeah, you know, with with that that sort of you know, it's it's how do I describe it? That the the jet age thing. I would love like in name the movie where she has the little pull cords that raise the seats up and down. That would be well, you know, like the deal where like there's a switch on the wall, you flip it, and then like. The lights the, come the, on. The, and the, the, the couch rotates around and it's a bar or something. Yeah. Into the wall. Yeah. That kind of okay. stuff. That. Okay, Kelvin, yeah. please tell tell me that you keep your current bathroom in this configuration. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kelvin's bathroom is amazing. I did a photo project in Kelvin's uh, bathroom. It's a my my uh my my bathroom was my my, my the house I live in was originally owned by uh uh, a strange person in my bathroom is just a big example of like outsider art where he like painted bugs and fish and stuff all over the walls. And I'm going to point out that the next person to own your house is going to say, my house was originally owned by a weird person. <laughs> a true statement. Also true. <laughs> a true statement. <laughs> all right, then Kelvin, number, question number four is... Give us a recommendation for our communal pleasure dome. Something that you have found to be entertaining or delightful or interesting. Anything, it doesn't have to be media. It could be a t-shirt for all I care. Uh, fake Newtons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes! Fake Newtons! I love fake oh, Newtons. All hail the fake Newtons. I love fake Newtons. I, and I don't know, when I was younger, I would say, I, well, I really love fake Newtons. And for some reason, all my friends would be like, ew. And I could never quite figure out well, what that was. Screw them! Yeah, Those big Newtons are chewy motherfuckers. I so I bad. always I always liked I don't know like those sort of uh, that that kind of spectrum of, of of like figs and dates and like prunes and and raisins that kind of a the dried fruit thing that that sort the of consistency of chewy but the, the soft. chewy dry fruit that's I that that kind of taste area I don't know it go you go for that. Yeah, I've always liked okay, that. Okay, so Kelvin yeah. has declared that in our communal pleasure to listeners, <laughs> there must be big news. So listeners, thank you for joining us at another episode of Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I have been Wendy. That has been... Melissa. And we have been joined by... Kelvin. And we're so happy that you were here. Yeah. Yay. 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 Movies, wine. Jessians. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes arrive every Thursday. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at xanaducinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome.
And suddenly it's an episode of The Untouchables. Alcohol deployed. Alcohol deployed. <laughs>